Yeah, well, the passion for productivity was that I never liked school. I always hated homework. I always hated, you know, I was a C student. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of No Fat Cats. I am so excited about today's episode with Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher's Beyond the To-Do List podcast is one of the top productivity podcasts in the nation, if not in the world. I mean, just look up, go on Google, type in productivity podcast, and he's almost always listed in the top 10 podcast and often quite high up the list. And so it was just, I am so excited to be able to interview him and pick his brain about not so much just the, the topic of productivity, though I love geeking out on productivity and, you know, ways of, of, of maximizing your, your workflow, but I also wanted to dive into what it was that inspired him to start the show. I mean, he's been doing it since 2012. He has like, I think three, it's like 300, close to 350 episodes. I mean, he's interviewed some just amazing people like, you know, you know Michael Hyatt and Donald Miller. He's had a lot of people on his podcast who are like really experts in their field. And I was so excited to be able to interview him, sit down for a conversation with him about what it's like starting and how he got started. So the thing that people, I don't think everyone knows is that he actually was a, was a C student and he had ADHD, but he was so committed to getting better he said, and he was determined to focus on the right things and succeed, that he just incessantly became a student of productivity. And that has led to where he is today, where he just is very successful at podcasting and with work and social media. He understands those things. But he also loved it. I love the fact that he has that balance and he understands when to be intentional about social media, when to turn it off, when to and, and when to focus on the right things. And his podcast too, it goes beyond just the to-do list where it's not just about productivity, but also looks at why you're doing what you're doing. And so just all of these factors combined, uh, you know, he lives in Marion, Indiana, where I spent, uh, where I lived a year of my life, ninth grade, Marion, Indiana. Uh, just love the fact that he's just really cranking stuff out consistently year after year and just super excited about the show. Here's my interview with Eric Fisher. Hey, Eric, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I know I love your podcast, Beyond the To-Do List, and I know you're kind of at episode, what is it, 322, somewhere around that range now? Yeah, I think we're near, we're near, we're nearing 350 very, very soon, so. No, that, that's a, that's quite the, uh, quite the accomplishment there, and I'm sure in order to do that, you've had to be doing the podcast for uh, a number of years now, but what was it like getting started with the, the podcast and what was it about your kind of like the background that made you jump into podcasting as a form? Yeah, well, I fell in love with podcasting as soon as I found out about it, which, you know, I was doing data entry in a position at a university in marketing and I was sitting there just typing away and then listening to music and iTunes on that Windows computer just said, there's an update. And I said, "Ooh, it's a time for a bathroom break and a coffee break. So I hit the update button walked away, came back, sat down and saw this little tab that said podcasts and clicked on it. I was like, what is that? Started looking through and I'm like, oh, this is like radio shows that I can download and listen to. This is cool. You mean I don't have to listen to just music and I can like pause them and start them back up again where I left off? It's like TiVo for radio. Great. And so I started listening and this was the summer of 2005. So 
Okay. I mean, I was they're right coming, in on they're it just when getting Apple started. got in on it. Yeah, yep. when Apple got in, like, I got in, and I was like, okay, this is cool. And I knew instantly, like, since I had, I had been a communications major and done some radio work and even radio inter, uh, what's the... <laughs> internships that's it uh i had done an internship at a radio station small town and all that kind of stuff and you know recording the weather and i would hear myself on the weather as i was driving away from my internship on the radio just to make sure it worked um so i got really interested and i was always just like oh my gosh podcasting is like made for me i love talking and i love uh <laughs> just talking and talking and so that's kind of a cool you know that's what podcasting is for a lot of people. yeah absolutely you know so uh, took a while. Like I started listening to shows. Uh, a friend of mine and I actually did a comedy show. Uh, That's great. We'd review movies and music and things like that and do little funny skits that we'd kind of write. And we did that for about a year. We'd record it on our lunch break because we were both at the same office. We'd drive home to his house, go to his spare bedroom where the stuff was already set up. We'd hit record and we'd put it up. And this was 2007. We did it again and took a year off, did it again in like Oh nine. And then, uh, he moved away things weren't as easy to connect and record long distance as they are now back then. So we just kind of let it go. And then I got involved with uh, other people online in terms of co-hosting on shows, things like that. Eventually I just said when one of the shows that I was co-hosting on was going to be folding due to decision on the other person's part, I said, well, I want to do a show still. So what am I going to do? And I just kind of stewed on that for a while and eventually it was like, wait a second, I want to talk to people and when I get guests and when I ask them the questions that I care about, which are how do they do the work that they do? How do they manage their time? How do they manage work-life balance? How do they manage themselves with self-management? And then I realized, wait, this is productivity. And so suddenly it kind of, as I let it stew, as I let, as I let the idea kind of come around, I realized, well, this is exactly what I want to do. And then I knew there were a couple of guests that I could get they were kind of high name that I could launch with. And then that would get me in the door with other people and so on. And so I just, I ran with it there in July slash August of 2012 and have, you know, I haven't done it weekly, at least at early days, but it's been weekly ever since, since about for the last three, four or five years now going on nine years right now. Jeez. But I mean, you just, you've kept at it and, uh, yeah. you know, for you, it wasn't, you know, a flash in the pan. It wasn't something you wanted to, you dabbled with you went in and have just kind of kept kept going yeah and part of that is is just again i i did the first 16 episodes um in that first year from august to december then i took about a month off kind of retooled it kind of said okay let's pause what's working what's not and uh that was one of my breaks i did a couple of other ones in that first few years uh with just you know, it was hard because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making anything off the show really. And it didn't. So then there wasn't the incentive to have to show up uh, consistently. Although that's the biggest thing you have to do if you want to grow is show up consistently. Show up consistently. So, yep. Yeah. Once if I kind of made that a priority, it clicked. Yeah. If people show up and there's nothing new there and nothing happened, then it's just going to be crickets. It's like, well, why do I want to come back again? And um, no, but that, that is really interesting in terms of you finding something that you like your passions aligned. Because I think a lot of people like the idea of doing content, like the idea of putting stuff out there. But if they don't love what they're doing, then obviously they're not going to keep keep doing it. Um, but there also has to be that alignment of enjoying like the process or the, the creation. So whether it's photo or video or audio, you have to enjoy the process and then also kind of have a bigger driving motiva like motivator for you. What was that? 
is that, was that motivator? Is it just that combination of you, obviously we're doing radio, you enjoyed the technical side, but then what was it about like the productivity and, and that passion? Like how did that get started and, and how did those really align? Yeah, well, the passion for productivity was that I never liked school. I always hated homework. I always hated, you know, I was a C student. It was just like, eh, because the the structure of how the learning system was set up, and there's been a lot of talk about that, you know, in especially adding the online components in the last, you know, recent years. I've been dealing with that with my kids. Um, point being, I had to figure out, especially, I also had ADHD undiagnosed. Now, okay. I was diagnosed as an adult, but I had it as a student, and so... Had I so, so suddenly it was like, wait a second. So if I had set up these systems and these rules and these productivity workflows that would help me to focus at the times I needed to or focus on the right things as I needed to, because that's what ADHD, ADHD is, is it's you can focus on things, but it's it's usually the wrong thing the wrong unless thing. you've trained yeah. yourself to focus on the right thing. And so. Which sounds familiar because most people do that daily now anyway. And uh, so they can relate. Um, but that's where it came from. It was that that gnawing, nagging kind of feeling of I, I'm supposed to be doing this thing and I'm failing at it. And that sucks. And how can I get better at it? And slowly but surely, I became aware of Franklin Covey, David Allen getting things done and a lot of other than online resources kind of coalescing with I was learning about that and then learning about podcasting. And it was just like, wait a second, there's this whole open realm of like, I love talking to people about things. I am a dialogue person. I learn by processing out loud. So sometimes, I mean, it's honestly just a creative outlet for me more than anything. And if I could do it and not have to worry about money, I would start five more shows right now with other co-hosts and guests and different things. I would, it, it's, it, it's, it's a truly passionate you know, it's really passion project for me. And that is really interesting that just the fact that you did have ADHD and you realize that, yes, I can actually, you know, get things done when I focus on some of the right things versus just, you know, having to struggle with so many things floating around and not being able to really focus on in on things. What were some of those early tools that you really like latched on that were really helpful for you kind of when you're first starting off that like, what were some of those big wins or just so to speak. Yeah. Well, even before I heard about capturing from David Allen, uh, it late in high school and then in college, I was carrying like one of those little memo flip books that had like lines on it and, yep. you know, or reporters where it was like, it's, it's like almost like tiny and it's palm sized. It's, it's basically an analog, you know, Blackberry slash iPhone and that, and then a pen that would be clickable that I could keep it not from leaking in my pocket and to be able to pull that out and write things down and capture things instead of just trying to remember things. That's one of the biggest things people do is, is just if you're not capturing something when you think of it, and I know this is an enticement to pull that phone back out every five seconds when you think of something, but if you put it in the right place and it can sync up somewhere else and then you don't have to remember it, the tool remembers it for you. The leaning in on the tool was the thing for me that suddenly started helping me remember. And then there was the weekly review and the daily review even that I would put in place where, hey, what did I, what new things did I write down today? Let me go through the notebook. Oh, okay, cool. And then I would put those in the places that I need to if I would remember something. And of course, that was early days. That was when I had way less. Um, way less to do, yeah. <laughs> way less to do. So it was easy to kind of practice that way. So that was a really big first step and a first big win for me in that regard. 
No, that is really interesting. And, and so I'm curious too, have you gone digital with your note taking or is it still uh, pen and paper for some of the initial capture work? Well, I went way into digital and then in recent years have come back to analog, back to pen and paper. Um, I've got, you know, I've got a note card just sitting right here with some stuff that I've written and I want to keep it right here because, you know, I can look it up and I can pull it up all the time, but like I actually will process things better if I will hand write them. Often what I'll do actually is do uh, what Dame Allen calls a, a mind sweep where I will take a, like a, a legal notebook and I would go to a coffee shop and I would sit and have a cup of coffee and I would just write everything out that's in my brain at the time and just be like, okay, I'm thinking about that, got that thing that's due, this project's not it's kind of stalled out, et cetera. And I'd write those things down just to get them out of my head. Then I would sit there and say, okay, well, like, what's the, do you know what the next step is on this thing? Sure. And then I'd write it down. And so being able to concretely think through it that way versus just typing, there's something to that. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's been studies and, you know, I won't point to any, but I know I've, I've heard of them and I've talked to people about them when it comes to either comprehension and reading where, where analog reading is uh, held on to more than digital and that handwriting words versus typing um actually lets you process those thoughts better so no i i would actually yeah no completely agree and that's been one of the interesting things for me too with being you know background kind of a video creator as a video creator and being in the digital space is is you realize there are a lot of benefits to it but it's also not not the end all be all and there is a great value of, of going back to to analog in, in many regards and um, you know, e even recently, I just ended up picking up um, the uh, the full, full full focus planner by, by mm -hmm. Michael Hyatt. And just because I think th you're right that when you start writing something, I think your brain really does process it differently when it's handwritten versus typed. And I think, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of studies where reading stuff on a screen, you tend to skim more, but not have it be as um, it, it, you don't process it the same way when you do versus on like print and paper. Um, and, and so I think there's are a lot of benefits. Um, so that is really interesting that you've kind of gone on. So it seems like you've almost gone on a pendulum, uh, so to speak, from going all the way digital and then kind of back a little bit. But what are some of those tools that you find have been helpful? Or, you know, are there any particular in the digital space that have helped you focus on things and, and just be more productive? Well, I will say that uh, I will typically always have always is an exaggeration. Uh, I will often have my phone near me to capture something, uh, whether it's in my task manager or whether it's to go into the inbox and be processed later. Um, I don't have any social media on my phone, actually. Okay. Uh, that's taken me a while to get to that point, but I've been loving that. That's where it's been for the last few months now. Um, I have to intentionally go sit down at a computer and decide I'm going to do social media and do it that way. And then I'm sitting in a specific spot in a specific place. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, but, um, I think one of the biggest things has been to disconnect that ever present. Um, uh, again, even with the phone, not having social media, I can go anywhere. I can look up anything. I can get distracted by it. So trying to have that be more tethered. So I'll have my Apple watch. And so it's, it's, that's one of the things where it's like, okay, I don't have to have my phone on me at all times when I'm at home. Uh, I have not opted for the um, the cell phone service data plan on the watch because I don't want to have to be connected at all times, <laughs> you know, I would, but, uh, 
but yeah, I can, it means I can leave my phone sitting on a charger somewhere in the house and I can be anywhere else and not feel like I constantly have to like, I wonder what's going on and pick it up and like swipe or swipe up or face uh, ID and then yep. dive into like the world at large. Um, especially right now, it's been really helpful to not have to do that. It's been calming. It's been peaceful. So speaking of that, one of the things that really, that my favorite tool, uh, f- favorite productivity tool, to be honest, is uh, Brain FM. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them before. I think I've heard of it, but I haven't actually checked it out. So I, yeah. I may have to so do that now. I, <laughs> I mean, I can give you, uh, basically, you can do a free trial of it. I can, I could even give you my URL if you want to share it, but it, and cause I'm an affiliate for them. No, but, well, I would love to have that. Yeah. I would love yeah, to share okay. that so in the show notes. Yeah, so I'll just give it to you now. It's uh, it's beyond the to do list dot com slash brain FM, and it gives you twenty percent off your first year, which again a month is like four bucks or something. Okay, uh, with that code, I use it daily. Here's why: um, essentially, what it does is it's, it is music that is created to get your brain flow or brain state into a specific state quicker. What that means is that. You can put that on and be listening to it and it puts the blinders up. It kind of gets your brain into that focus mode. It's kind of like when you have the horses that have those blinders. Oh, yeah. They can't look left or right. They just go straight ahead. It helps me to focus on a task at hand for it, it gets me into that focus mode quicker and lets me stay there longer. I can sit there for an hour, hour and a half, two hours working on one specific thing and really get a lot done. But the cool thing is, is that with Brain FM is you can actually download the app to your phone. I use the desktop version on my desktop. Um, but the cool thing is that having it on my phone means then I can go lay down on my bed, put headphones in and use it. And it has a nap function, a meditation function, um, a de-stressing function, which I've been using that a lot, you know, yep. <laughs> it's like, I need to calm down. Okay, let me put Brain FM in, Brain, Brain FM in for like 15, 20 minutes and just kind of lay there and close my eyes with my ear pods in and connect it to my phone. And um, and then even sleep. They have a sleep one where it'll get you to sleep faster and get you into deeper sleep quicker. So it's really cool, really worth checking out. I actually pay for the service. I've done so for two plus years now, um, and I love it. So yeah, it's, it's beyond the to-do list.com slash brain FM is where you can check that out and try, I, I dare you like try it out for a couple of sessions of, okay, I'm going to sit down here for half an hour to an hour, focus on one thing, picking the style of music that you like that's on there. They've done a bunch of different styles and see how it works for you. Okay. And it's actually designed to help you. Is it more get in a state of flow where you're just really focused on everything? It's definitely flow state. Yeah. It's definitely going to get you into flow state quicker. So. No, yeah. that, well, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Um, and yeah, cause I know I've always found that, you know, there are certain types of music that it's more like repetitive where I could just get into more of a state of focus easier, but then other things can actually be slightly more distracting. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely excited to check it out and, and we'll definitely, you know, definitely check it out is there anything else when it comes to um you know focus on things or productivity that you found that has been really helpful um from from managing everything else besides because it seems like there's it's easy to get distracted by like too many options and a lot of them trying to do do good do good things but after a while if you have too many things going on it's hard to focus on one thing in particular 
Yeah, I try to. I have gone through a lot of different productivity apps and things like that. And ultimately I've landed on going with the most simple ones that I can find that I like. I don't want to prescribe anybody use one specific, you know, task management tool or note taking tool digitally because there's a lot of different ones out there and you can try them. Um, I, with, for me, I use on Mac, on my Mac and on my phone and on, on my iPad for that matter, I use things three just because it's super simple. Um, it, I like the UI. <laughs> That's what yep. it comes down to is, is this, it's not about, you know, oh, well, this one has this one little feature that like makes it killer. Cool. That's great for you. But if I'm never going to use it, it doesn't matter. It's really all about like which one has an ease of use or even like a, again, a flow state to the UI where I'm not fighting against it. I feel like I can just open it up, type something, add it. And for a lot of people that may potentially just be the built in task management stuff on your native phone apps that come with it. It may be just reminders. It may just be, you know, again, if it syncs with whatever else you've got, I think that's the important thing for me is I want something that's going to sync. So it's going to sync, uh, not just from my, my mobile device, wherever I am, but also back home to when I'm sitting at a desktop or a laptop. Uh, another one that I use, uh, for writing and often like my first draft of note taking on things is something called drafts. Uh, ironically, that's a Mac app as well. And that's Mac and uh, iOS works really well. I love that. It's just clean, clear text management. Simple, yeah. yeah. And, it syncs well. And, you know, and I still have Evernote, but I use Evernote differently than a lot of people. That's where I archive things. Like I'll throw things in there that I want, like, and that's even kind of morphing now where I'm making it more of a family account where, you know, Hey, I can't remember where the manual for that thing is. Well, it's scanned in Evernote and then you can just go in there and type in Bingo. whatever that thing is that the manual's for and the OCR will pull it up. So yeah. No, that is interesting. And, and so I am curious too, when it comes to like social media, you know, you're you know part of a growing number of people who I think are, are taking social media off of their phones yet you still also you know work in the social media space and you know what is that what does that balance look like in terms of wanting to leverage wanting to reach audiences where they're at and not get too sucked in how do you stay between between the two of them in terms of balance because it seems like just balance is always so crucial to everything you know people are doing yeah and again i think that you know for me i had to put the boundary of not checking in on social media like i i first thing i did was remove all my bookmarks to it in my browsers because it was easy for me to just, it was, yeah, I just put some, put some barriers up, make me have to jump through a few hoops to get to the site. Now that said, I can still go to a site and scroll and scroll and scroll. It still happens from time to time, but uh, people spend a lot of money getting you to do that. (laughs) I know that's how it's designed. That's how it's designed. that, That is how it's designed. And especially in the tactile form of it in your hand. It's like it's, it's like a pinball machine. It's it's giving you those endorphins. It's the scroll with your fingers, especially because you're using your hand and your fingers to scroll. So that I removed that, and once I removed that and wasn't doing it as often, I found oh well, I'm not missing out. I'm still going, just not as often. Just not as often. And and so there's that, and then there's also the the realm of what am I you know having a plan? What is it I'm wanting to do? What am I using which network for? In what way? And by being able, being able to do that, I've been able to, you know, it's it by having a strategy, by having a, oh, you know what? There's really this like 
there's sure there's broadcasting about, Hey, I've got this new episode. It's out there is one thing, but to be able to just like have a list of people to just check in on and actually try to use the tool as a, as a socialing, uh, you know, as a social tool, communication tool on a one-on-one or even in a public fashion. Um, it's like, yeah, you know what? I haven't talked to Wesley in a while. Let me go check out and see, you know, what he's up to and to have that kind of intentionality behind it. Um, makes it easier than passively just letting it happen. So, so do you actually intentionally write down a list of people you want to check out or do you go with it in mind of, Hey, I need to check out with, uh, you know, these people. I have actually created lists before, not just on the networks themselves, but in my notes, I've gone through and said, um, wow, here's my, like, here's my 150 people online that like, cause there's that, that they're, they're in a close circle and, there's yeah, and there's even closer circles. So so for example, for I mean for me, um, you know, f- on on my phone, my phone is still a social tool. Texting is still a you know iMessage and SMS is still a social yep. tool for me. Few the smallest ring of people have that number, then it comes out another another ring, and then it's okay. Those people are connected and allowed to send me private messages. Then there's further out. And then there's further out. I think they don't go too much further than that, but that's kind of, you know, it's like, okay, let me make sure that like the inner circle is the best, you know, or not the best, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone has circles. It's in order of priority. And so by doing it that way and actually paying attention like that, it actually makes it less stressful than just like sporadic, unintentional, um, just sending out of messages and replying to anything you see and, that's not to say I don't just scroll sometimes just for yeah. the fun of it. Yeah. You know, or follow new people. No, but but that is actually is really interesting. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that idea of actually making a to-do list associated with uh with Facebook cuz it social media is a tool for keeping connecting with people and you know staying in contact, seeing what they're up with, what their what their life is is going is is going on. But often I think people just go on scroll and it just uh, respond without any clear agenda. And I think if people could actually set aside time, be deliberate about it of, hey, who are the friends who I haven't actually connected with, who I really care about? Let me check in with them and have an agenda. I think that could you know, be phenomenal uh, in terms of for actual productivity and, and the role that we think social media actually should play in our lives. Because I think there's a difference between the role that we think it plays in our lives and what uh, you know, people who want to sell us think it, it should play in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's part of it is being in the marketing side of things on social media. There's the power of social media, but if unchecked, it becomes, you know, an overriding power versus a power that you wield yourself as a consumer and or a marketer for that matter. No, and it is definitely something, you know, where I've created content for social media it is balancing and realizing you want to be able to create stuff that adds value to people's lives, that solves their problems. And, you know, I think, too, to a certain regard, especially younger generations, they almost view if something is well tailored to them, they're not going to they're not going to view it so much as, oh, this is an ad. They're well, this if it solves their problem, they're actually happy to get it because it's what they need. It's, you know, something that's helpful. If it's a if you're a designer and someone has tools for you, then that's the kind of stuff that is actually helpful. But it it all comes down to to balance, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a balance for sure. And so, too, I'd love to what are your thoughts, too, on people who are just starting off, especially when we look at, you know, Generation Y is coming up and um, into the workforce, you know, 
they do have a lot of things going on. Do you have any tips for them? And when it comes to navigating all of this, is it really going back to, to where you're at right now? Or what, if you're speaking directly to them, what would be your thoughts and tips on managing productivity within the area of dings and pings? Yeah, man. Um, I, I would, again, I would say, figure out what your spheres are, your circles, you know, who's your, who's your innermost circle first off. And, uh, and again, this is going to, you know, depending upon who you're connected with and whatever, you know, it may be your, your parents, it may be your, your siblings, it may be your spouse, it may be your closest friends and make sure to maintain those relationships first and foremost, then go one circle out and say, you know, and this is where the kind of, it gets tricky because you got closest friends and then you've got little less close friends and, or people that you want to gain knowledge from, you know, long distance mentors that may, may be doing it on purpose or not. You know, this, this might be a, a college professor. This might be uh, an author or, or a podcaster for that matter, or a YouTube star, you know, somebody that you admire that you want to keep tabs on. Um, again, don't, you're not going to give that YouTube star or that college, although you might give the college professor, uh, your phone number again, it's, but it's a matter of saying, you know, how can you have control over these certain rings and who has how much access slash influence over your decision-making that way, when you've got that set up, you can actually, cause here's the thing, like some people they'll, they'll take pictures and then just post it everywhere and it's free and public and everybody can comment on it. And like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that's not like thinking through like a strategy, like to, to, for example, um, th- sit and think and write something thoughtful and post it on LinkedIn, but nowhere else, you know, those kinds of things, or to maybe post it also on Facebook, uh, to get feedback on it. Like I know some authors do there, there are authors that I know with, <laughs> they've got ideas in their head for their next book and they're pulling pieces and questions and ideas from that possible next chapter they're writing. They'll post it in a way to get feedback where people answer those questions um, on their Facebook. I know of one in particular that, that does that. And I see, I, because I've seen the evidence of it. I've followed him for a long time. He's been on my show a number of times and um, he is asking thought provoking questions and then he's getting the answers back. And then those questions and answers are making their way into his work that he's doing. No, I, I have heard of, I forget the name of the person, but I have heard of uh, at least one person who's done that where they will put it out. And if it gets a certain number of responses, they say, Hey, we're on this, I'm on to something here. Let me keep fleshing that out um, in terms of maybe it's a blog or maybe it's a, and it kind of keeps working its way and the content that gains the most traction does end up making it into, into the work at the end. So, so I'm curious, what has been kind of your strategy with social media for, for you and the podcast? Um, you know, I've noticed, and one of the things I you know, admired about it too, is that it, it didn't seem like you were trying to do too much with the podcast. You almost let the podcast speak for itself. Also, you do have kind of the momentum, but what has been kind of your strategy and what have you found over the last, I guess, nine years that you've been doing it? What actually created momentum? What um, led to results? And what things have you avoided doing on purpose? Um because they just weren't, weren't, weren't worth it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. There are some podcasters that I follow and I'm friends with them, but I won't name their names because they post about their episodes every single week. And it just kind of annoys me. Cause it's like, 
<laughs> I hate to say that at that that it does that, but it's like, yeah, you know, this wasn't the greatest episode. Like, I don't know if I'd share that. And I kind of said, you know what? I'm going to go for quality over quantity. That's not to say I don't believe in every episode that I create, but I'm but there going are some to make that it, you you record yeah. and you're like, well, I'll post the episode, but it wasn't wasn't my favorite. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, and and I wouldn't even say not my favorite. I would just say like this one's good, but like, and here's the thing: part of my decision making process on this quality over quantity has been one, the rise of the algorithm on social media, where the more you post the and the more people don't engage with it, the less they see you. So if you want to post things that are, post the highest quality things and then try to engage people that way. Um, honestly, the other key piece was the podcast was always a side project and still continues to be so. It's not my day job. And being in social media full time for eight years straight and then crossed over into, uh, you know, me doing the podcast at the same time. The last thing that I wanted to do, and this is a good thing, I think, I think uh, maybe not for the show, but for me personally, is if I'm if I am doing something for my day job all day long, the last thing I want to do is then do it in the evening also. That's not to say I, it's not to say I didn't like it, but if I'm thinking and talking and doing social media marketing all day, the last thing I'm going to do is use social media as a social tool. And so that was kind of the that was also part of my process of, oh, well, then don't have social on my phone all the time and set set aside time to intentionally go use the tool for the right reasons and not for the wrong ones. And so so then all that to say marketing, quote, my show on social media has taken a back seat and not been as an inten as intentional a thing that I've tried to do. But then that also makes it that it's like, oh man, that was a really fun episode with so-and-so or, oh man, I had this really big name. I got to make sure that I like share that. I like and that. Yeah. So I've kind of, you know, I, I can see myself getting to a point where I would promote more, more often, but it's been nice to step back and not feel like I had to promote it over and over again and like beat people over the head with it and come across that way. No, that, that is really interesting. And I hadn't heard the part too, about if, if you post m more often, but don't get engagement that the algorithms aren't promoting those. Um, I think everyone says, Oh, post more and more and more, but it, and it was this recent change or do you know when, at what point did it's, that change? I mean, the, the algorithm, basically any, any social platform that has an algorithm, which is all pretty much all of them at this point, it's set up that, if I post and you see it, but don't don't engage with it at all, you don't click on it, you don't like it, you don't comment. It's saying this, the, the, the it's say you your actions are saying to the algorithm, you don't want to see that type of post or you don't want to see me. And so the more the opportunities I give under this false um mandate of post, 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 because you have to be out in front of people. No, it's, it's more important to be out in front of people less, but with more engaging content. So no, that, that is I, interesting. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to post something publicly or otherwise, if it's not something I don't think people really sh are going to want to engage with. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like getting, you know, spam calls or spam emails. Like the, the more you get them, 
the the quicker you are to turn them off or the quicker you are to block or delete or whatever, you know, the method of which they're communicating with you on. And, you know, that's part of the thing is like there's a common phrase in social media marketing these days, stop the scroll, have your marketing be so good that as somebody's scrolling, they stop and they look. Well, it's not good enough to just stop. You have to actually get them to engage with it. So, yeah, it's it's tricky. But that's kind of what I've taken away from it. It is is way to, it is quality over quantity and it is way more about, uh, it, which is great because then it means you don't have to constantly be doing it. You don't have to feel like you're, you know, constantly taking part creating in, content. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to constantly, you know, I don't know. I don't have to go create, I don't have to go create a million tweets and have it tweet every couple minutes with some yep. new interesting thing, because all that does again is, is if somebody's scrolling and they see me coming through over and over again, and most of it, they don't care about then they, if, since they're not engaging with me, Twitter's then going to serve my tweets up to them less. That's just the way it is. It works. No, well, that is a, you know, great tool. And I think, um, you know, great tip. And yeah, it really isn't so much just for people starting off. I mean, I know even seeing yeah. people who um, really is social media with Facebook. It affects just really all generations in terms of productivity. And they are, it is really valuable tools. It's ways of being intentional. But at the same time, we have to understand the limits and kind of put boundaries around everything in order to be effective. And and likewise, I love how you you know pointed out that yeah, you're doing social media in, in your day job. No need to do it, uh, you know, for your podcast in the evening. And I know for me too that when I, you know, in the background of video, I was like, I don't really want to do a vlog necessarily, or because I'm I'm editing too much uh, video already. And so audio for me was kind of something separate and different that was fun and engaging and, and life giving. But but thanks so much, Eric, for for being on the show. I've absolutely loved the conversation. It's loved. I've loved he, being able to hear from somebody who has kind of been through that spectrum of. I mean, I can't. I mean, you've just analyzed. I know so many tools, so much uh, content, like such an expert. And I feel like it's fun to see someone who understands everything, understands how things work, and has kind of come back to find what being in the center, being grounded, being focused, uh, really looks like. And love your story. Love the fact that you you know how you came out of it. No, not someone who was high, you know, high productivity junkie to begin with, but you have a great story where it was like, started off with ADHD, need to focus and you become kind of a, kind of a, one of the masters in the, in the field really. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's been fun talking about it. And, and again, one of the parts that I see is just, I'm an ongoing student. So that's again, that, that is what also feeds into the enjoyment of creating the show is there's still more to learn. Things have changed. Obviously, I mean, uh, up until recently, I had done a couple of episodes on remote work and working from home. Now that's like a commonplace thing that a lot of people have kind of had to learn in a crash course. So I had actually put out, uh, you know, some of some of my repeat episodes from back in the day just to kind of or or for that matter, topics that kind of fall along those lines without it being about the actual work. So, again, I'm a student, an ongoing student. learning. Yeah, keep learning. Sounds good. And then I'm curious too, do you have any, you know, favorite morning uh, rituals, routines that you are developing? I know everyone's kind of morning routines have kind of gotten thrown for a loop with COVID a little bit, but mm -hmm. do you have any that you are pursuing in terms of in the ideal world um, that you love to do? Yeah, it's funny you say it that way because I, I used to ask this question when I first started the show is uh, in, an, in an ideal world, how do you start your day? And, yeah. uh, you know, in an ideal world, I'm not rushing to sit down and do work. Yeah. Uh, I'm waking up and I'm fully rested, which partial, partially is due to me having done the right things the night before. And 
so on. Uh, it's you me can't, waking you can't up stay rested. up to one and then wonder why no. you can't get up at, you know, five 30 and ready no. to go. Or... Yeah. I was up today at six something and I went to bed at like 10, but I was heading to bed at about yep. nine something. So again, uh, evening rituals <laughs> help yep. the morning rituals it's true. and the morning rituals ideally are not, people are going to hate me for saying this is not grabbing coffee. First thing. Oh yeah. Grab it a little later. A little and later. I've, I've, yeah, I, and I have actually even, uh, re- greatly decreased my caffeine intake lately as well, because it just makes me a little less edgy, a little more calm. And of course that means better sleep, which then means I need the, ca- the caffeine less. So, you know, wean yourself off as much as possible. I'm not saying quit it. I'm just saying wean, 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 wean. it down. <laughs> um, but yeah, less of that, more hydration first thing in the morning, physical activity first thing in the morning. Um, and then kind of just easing into, okay, family's around, reconnect with them, eat food, and then slowly ease into the workday. And my mornings are where I'm most productive. So that's when I'll, after I've done all that, I'll, you know, clean up and then I'll try to knock something specific out. Um, and again, that's from that. The way that I can do that is, is if I've set myself up the day before, as I close down the workday. Then yep. the next morning then when I ready. start the work day, I've passed the baton to my future self properly. No, sounds good. Great. All right. Well, I know people can check your, check your stuff out at, I know beyond the to-do list. Um, and then podcasts, are there any other links where people can get a hold of you or just learn, for, learn from you? Yeah. I mean, my, my, you know, again, we talked a lot about social media, yep. but probably the easiest place to find me is twitter.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J F I S H E R. That's my handle. Um, start there. Hit me up. We can talk. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. And that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats. Hope you love. Yeah, you have to be. No, you have to be quiet. I'm the one recording. Yeah. Um. And that wraps up another episode. Uh, sitting here recording the outro with youngest one Harper. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to be quiet. No, not me. Yes, you're supposed to be quiet. I'm. I'm the one talking right now. Uh. All right. So obviously recording from home and uh, occasionally get a few interruptions. That's about, that wraps up another episode. I hope you loved it. I love how he's committed to continually getting better, always improving, and he also just consistently produces content over time, you know, 350 episodes. And, and two, it's not like he's he's pushing it with a huge uh, company who's paying him as his job to do it. He's doing this just because he loves it and he's had a few people produce it, you know, or, or promote it. But at the same time, it's just like, the work that he's doing that he loves doing and he's so passionate about it that he's almost just producing it for himself and that was what i found inspirational is that in the process of learning and growing and then sharing that knowledge people are attracted to what you have to to, to share so hope you join in next week for the show with brendan uh the host of master talk and until then have a great one leave a review if you haven't already on itunes or any podcast software of your choice and also i'd love to hear what would you like to hear on a podcast as i'm getting up close here to episode 50 exciting hallmark uh moment for the podcast and i'm just looking forward to continue to produce a lot more but want to hear your feedback about what you would like to hear next